welcome to The Man Lab, where we combine science and health in the pursuit of making men great again. Testosterone is dropping across the board, and even Google is projecting that in 2050, the male sperm count is gonna be a big fat zero. This has led me to wanting a couple of questions answered, such as what is making our testosterone drop in the environment currently? How can we maintain this testosterone level at a healthy range? And also, are there things that we can do to increase our testosterone? If you're wondering who I am, my name is Blake Doyle, and I am the co-host of The Man Lab. I was a personal trainer in Australia for 10 years, and I'm in no way an expert like the guys are at T-Clinics. So I'm here to ask those dumb questions that we all have, but we might be a little bit too nervous to ask those medical professionals. Because let's face it, health is not a one-size-fits-all situation, particularly when it comes to medical intervention. Because at the end of the day, some products are good for you, and some are not, and some you don't even need to start off with. And the best way we can make these decisions is by having more information. I'm sitting down with the co-owner of T-Clinics USA, Alex Joseph, to find out about testosterone and what we can do both naturally and or medically to increase our testosterone levels. But more importantly, what exactly is testosterone? Is it this thing that everyone likes to demonize or is it something that can help regulate not only men, but also women and their hormones? Let's get into the show. Let's start with the diet because I know there's diet, there's an environment, there's a lot of that's influencing our our testosterone levels. Um, what are some of the dietary things? Because I think that's probably the easiest thing for people to start looking at and changing. Yeah, I mean, for, for starters, like like everything you mentioned has some influence. We can't point the finger and say diet is the sole reasons people testosterone levels or or environment is. It's a little bit of everything, right? So, from uh, starting at the diet, you know there's misconceptions that certain foods are actually bad for your hormones which i would like to debunk that myth and then certain ideas that certain foods are actually supposed to be good are actually not um for starters people think soy is this tremendous testosterone killer and actually creates a soy boy effect if you've heard that term and actually that's not true um people think because it has this like phytoestrogen development uh compound I'm sorry, phytoestrogen makeup to it, that that's gonna inhibit um, your testosterone production and or cause more estrogen to, to, to be present. And that's, that's not true when it comes to soy. I mean, I will say soy, like drinking soy milk, for example, uh, people would think that that's worse for your testosterone levels than something like real milk. When in actuality, real milk has a lot of other hormones present in it that isn't natural. You know, a lot of cattle has to be uh, stimulated to produce consistent amount of milk through the in introduction of of estrogen right mm -hmm. so if you're consuming that to some degree it's going to influence your natural hormone levels um so actually like soy isn't actually that bad for your hormone profile when it comes to being a man but then you think about foods like chicken and beef and pork nowadays that is just influenced by all sorts of foreign properties to actually get it to grow at the rate we need to right so mm -hmm. look at chicken that you get at the grocery store there's no natural chicken that will grow with a two pound chicken breast, right? So if you look at a real chicken that's grown in some environment where it's naturally produced, they're tiny and they look totally different. Really? I buy the sustainable chicken, which is way more expensive, but it's way more healthy and sustainable from coming from a farm where you know it's not influenced by hormones and pesticides and infused with all sorts of other crap. The cost is exponentially higher but you look at it next to a real chicken that you would burn from, from a chicken from like Publix, for example, it looks like a different breed. Um, He's having shots of, 
I'm obsessed with um, chickadee tenders. Yeah, they're terrible. I mean, that, that chicken's <laughs> garbage. <laughs> You're breaking my heart. Yeah, like, look at the chicken. <laughs> There's no chicken running around that has a chicken breast that's that large. It's crazy when you see what a real chicken breast looks like next to that type of chicken. doesn't even come close to the same species. And if you see what those things had to eat in order to actually get to that point, you would probably never eat it again either. Things that they ate. What are some of the things? That I mean, they give ate? them just total shit food, like cat foods, and they give them uh, all sorts of steroids to grow up that large. They give them all sorts of t like growth hormone type products as well. Um, I mean, the really shitty quality chickens—they actually are so big that they can't even stand on their own limbs. They actually break really? their legs because they're actually so heavy that they can't even walk around. I mean, chickens in really crappy farms—they break their beaks off of, so they don't like basically kill each other. And they're in this completely really? gross environment where then of course you get free range chickens from really good quality farms and they're eating what's like naturally on the ground you know mm -hmm. so of course they're going to have a better profile of like fats omega-6 omega-3s in their system um, those are going to be better for you obviously and then of course they don't have all these other hormones in them mm -hmm. thinking about uh pork for example with chicken um because we didn't, i want to go touch on soy as well before we get too far ahead of ourselves um let's go soy first and come back to chicken so with soy, I mean, I even had an interview recently with a naturopath and she brought up soy, uh, saying that it is a estrogen producing thing in, and it can mess with your hormones is not true. Is it to do with quantity or like she, I she think, touched on it was quantity. That was the issue. If you're having like soy the whole freaking time. So Soy has a very close relationship as far as the way that the uh, soy molecule looks to actual estrogen. So bioidentical female hormone estradiol actually can be made from like a soy or a yam um, because of its close relationship to it. So they actually use it as like a base, if you will. Uh, but, but yeah, the phytoestrogen, which is like everybody's terminology of being an estrogen, it doesn't really influence our hormone profile. It also... I mean, from a health standpoint, like I don't condone eating mass quantities of it because soy is very difficult to produce from a crop standpoint on a, marge, on a large level. It's very much GMO, it's very much high in pesticides, very much gonna be a crap quality crop. Um, and if you really looked at like what it took to grow that, I don't think you'd wanna eat a lot of it to begin with. Gotcha. So, you know, at some point, does it have other aspects of it that can influence your hormone production? besides the the hormonal aspect as far as the phytoestrogen aspect yeah i think there's other parts which i personally wouldn't eat a lot of it for those other reasons not so much because i think it's going to lower my testosterone levels i just would be scared of all this other crap that's in it that large consumptions of it eventually would start catching up on you got you and so um so it's got a lot of gmos built within yeah things. just like corn right I mean, the, like corn doesn't grow naturally anymore it has to be totally infused to be you know, mass produced at the level that the crop that it is. There's so many soy-based food choices that I don't think soy is out there just naturally growing in abundancy that doesn't and isn't protected by mass amounts of pesticides or fertilizing agents or gonna, again, be genetically modified in order to grow at the level that a farmer needs to grow it to sustain like a financially reasonable model, right? So yeah, get some insight into your testosterone levels for free. There is a test called the ADAM test, and what this stands for is the androgen deficiency in aging males. Now, that's a lot of fancy words to just say, finding out if you have decreasing levels of testosterone. So to do this questionnaire, all you have to do is go to bit.ly slash free ADAM test. That's bit.ly forward slash 
free Adam test. Now, if you don't wanna remember that or you can't be bothered typing it, just click the link that's in the description that will take you straight to this questionnaire. So remember this Adam test has an 88% accuracy rating. It's free and it only takes 60 seconds to complete. Now let's get back to the show. Who knows what they're putting in these stuff? So, so we really should, it's not so much the testosterone in soy that's the issue, it's more the, the GMOs, the added, the added problem. Yeah, I think the, the rumor comes back to the fact that it has this word estrogen in, like it's, in its makeup, the phytoestrogen. And I think that scares a lot of people, but I've read plenty of studies that shows using soy products doesn't have any direct influence on your testosterone or estrogen levels. So I think that myth is debunked. Now, again, if your entire diet is based on soy, which, you know, who would, I guess a vegan or somebody may have to result to that for their primary, you know, protein source. Fake chicken. Even then, I don't know. But then, but then it's ultra processed. So there's other stuff yeah. in that that you have to worry about beyond the, the soy condition of it. Yeah, that is, that's always been a bit of an issue that I've found with all the, the vegan diets and is the amount of fake stuff that they've put into it where it's no longer food. And then they try and rebrand it saying impossible like, burgers chicken. and beyond meat. Like if you looked at what that crap is, it's not even close to a real food. Yeah. I heard that a lot of the, there was a lot of indigestible uh, ingredients in things like the impossible. Burgers yeah. And beyond I meat. think everybody kind of who is a vegan, I would say everybody, but a lot of vegans will probably use that as a snack item. Like, cause they miss the taste of a burger and they'll go to like Burger King and get the impossible burger. But if you think you're becoming a vegan, and you're gonna exclusively live on that stuff, you are doing yourself no favor. By all means, you're eating a horrible diet. Those things are loaded with all sorts of processed food. It's probably one of the most processed foods you could possibly eat. Mm. So at what point are you trading, yes, the ethical position of like not eating meat, if that's where your position is, and not from a health standpoint, getting some healthier food choice, you're going to a really shitty quality food. Now, if you're gonna have like black beans and you're gonna have like garbanzo beans, and you're gonna have like potatoes and like things like that, obviously you're you're substituting with more of like, um, you know, natural food choices that have some protein sources in them. Yeah, okay, cool. Legumes and nuts and all that. And so with chicken, um, where could someone buy that type of chicken that has no hormones and has no added. I'll give a shout extras. out to the place I buy. Maybe if they <laughs> want to send me some credit, but there's a, a farm we, we buy from called seven sons farm. Now it's called sustainable chicken. So to give you an idea, you can go to whole foods or not whole foods, fresh market, and they have chicken breast for two ninety nine a pound. I know Publix has like a dollar ninety nine a pound. That two dollars ninety nine chicken, even from Whole Foods, is packed with hormones and packed with a lot of. That's problems. a huge conversation that you probably could look into. So the whole calling it organic is also from Whole Foods and Fresh Market. They do what's called like greenwashing of food, which means it's not really organic, but they do enough aspect of it to to certify it as being organic, or it comes from China. A lot of people don't know that like Whole Foods, a lot of their fruits come from China and their equivalent of who certifies it to be actually organic has like very little regulations. So whether it is or is not actually organic is very like to be determined. So um, they're basically like, they're not lying, but they're not telling the truth. They're, they're like getting it to like the closest line to becoming organic. How can you create an organic chicken product for two ninety nine a pound? when like the shitty versions, 199 pound and the pound, the, the type of sustainable at these farms is 18 or $20 a pound. 
there's a remarkable price difference. I mean, look at what you're paying for eggs nowadays. So how are they having chickens for that much cheaper? Mm. There's no way that there's not some influence in it to make those things massively produced. Yeah. Is there, so I heard as well that- So yeah, so Seven, seven Sons Farms. Is who seven Sons. Check them out, yeah. <laughs> Shout so out. <laughs> I heard as well, I mean, when Free Range first came out, it was 1,500 chickens per acre or hectare, whatever it was. And then it slowly became 5,000. Then it was 10,000. Is there a- because there's different there's different levels of it. Like if they let them run out in the field for one hour versus like 23 hours difference, is it technically free range? Well, okay, they let them out into the field, so therefore they're calling it free range. But is it different than the guys who live out there all the time and they free range eat and they eat whatever they want and they live in this like really pretty environment? Or is it like the equivalent of just enough to say we passed the test gotcha. then the other 23 hours of the day i don't know i'm by no means am i stretching my imagination am i pretending to be an expert on agricultural you know farming i know what i know from what i've learned because of my personal eating choices which by the way will make it really tough to go out to restaurants and be able to appreciate chicken nuggets and this types of things <laughs> again i mean like any other person i still do but um you become more aware it's like drinking tap water versus bottled water. When you start to understand what's in that tap water, mm. you'd be pretty grossed out to think you actually drank that stuff at Even one point in your life. Even bottled water, I'm going to touch on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, BPAs and all this other that. stuff. It's in the plastic, <laughs> right. And so, you can only so be so the, protective. At some point, you have to live, and there's, there's reality. Yeah. <clears throat> so most of the issues, what it sounds like with diet, um, is the processing of the uh, over-processing of the foods, the additional hormones is also affecting testosterone, to bring that down. Um, why is it that the hormones in foods that is added brings down our testosterone? It's not so much that it brings down our testosterone. A lot of times, I mean, that conversation can go into like a further depth, but a lot of times for simple answer, it spikes our estrogen production. So if you're eating something that has a high estradiol or estrogen like present, it's gonna influence your natural hormone cycle. So that estrogen starts to block some of that testosterone better which ultimately will pull down some of your testosterone production. Um, you know, and again, like kind of going back to like pork, for example. So pork should not, cows shouldn't be as big as they are as fast as they get there. So they have to give them steroids, whether it can be estrogen or testosterone. Or, I'm sorry, pig. Yeah. yeah, pigs. Pigs, they have to give them something to make them grow at the rate that they do to keep up with like our desire to eat them. Gotcha. Um, that, those hormones do to some degree pass through your system. I mean, if you're consuming them, just like if you're injecting them, you're going to influence your natural production. Mm -hmm. Is it a direct, uh, is it direct as like taking the hormone? No, but like high consumption over a period of time will be. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I under, uh, with um, beef and cattle, I under, I heard that it typically takes about five years to go from, you know, cattle, oh, sorry, the calf to adult cow, whatever that's called. Um, but now they're able to put hormones into the cattle that basically brings that timeline down to 18 months. The same as pork. That's what I'm saying. Like they give these animals basically hormones to, to super speed their growth pattern to where that animal is at a, at a weight that's like worth what it's supposed to be worth in order to kill it, slaughter it, and therefore serve it to you. Yeah. The faster they can get it to maturity, the quicker they can kill it, the quicker they can kind of butcher it, sell it to you, the faster they put another one in the mix. Yep. Um, those things that they're giving them by no means are good for us, right? So mm -hmm. so if they're giving that to these animals in order for them to get big, what's it, what's it doing to you? 
And most of the time, it's not giving a cattle testosterone. It's not going to give a pig testosterone. Most of the time, it's estrogen. Yeah. And so an estrogen is what ultimately grows a cattle to the size that it is. Really? Or they actually give them cattle, like an anabolic steroid that men turn into what's a drug called uh, trembolone, which is called phenoplex. They give cattle phenoplex to make them get really muscular and big. Um, That's a very aggressive anabolic steroid. If you consume it, you're going to do the same thing that taking anabolic steroids do to us, which is give us a basically shutdown in our natural production, Hmm. which we'll talk about in a second. But like if a guy takes a pro-hormone or a steroid or testosterone, you're letting the body know that that steroid isn't necessary to be produced anymore. So if I'm eating it, right, and only small quantities, but I'm telling my body, my brain, my testicles that there's high elevation values of hormones, your body's going to shut down its factory to basically not overproduce that hormone. Well, then when you stop eating that stuff, the body doesn't say, well, let me regenerate, you know, restore my production again. It does at first, but if it keeps being done over and over and over again, the switch maybe at times isn't switched back on. Mm. So we find that, of course, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, with you know, pro-hormones, dietary supplements, anabolic steroids, hormones themselves. You use them, you're telling your system you don't need to make it. Interesting. And the, the ultimate issue is like shutdown production. Okay, so the, so hormones, so I always just thought they would alter our hormones, but the hormone addition in our diet is just telling our body to not produce it. If it's If the values are present high enough, so if I eat a food that my body thinks the testosterone levels are artificially being elevated high enough to signal the lack of need of testosterone production, I'm going to have a suppression effect when I stop eating that food choice. And my testes essentially are going to produce less because they think there's enough hormone present from something else. Interesting. And so a solution to that would be, um, I mean, everyone says organic is the better meat source. I mean, organic is important, but I'm also saying like hormone free. You know, I would would try to find a place that doesn't introduce growth hormones and doesn't introduce other type of hormone influences to make these animals and make these products, you know, grow at that pace. Okay. And again, it's going to be more expensive and it is a more of a luxury item, but you know, at what point are you going to pay for your health? Yeah. And so people that want to keep their testosterone more regulated and a little bit higher, they need to be looking where, where do they need to be looking on the package or whatever that is for yeah. the meat to make sure there's no hormones. Again, you're going to have to kind of research where that where that product's made. I mean, mm-hmm. where it's actually going to be farmed. I mean, they really good quality eggs, for example, like high high end eggs, the one that are going to go well now they're like ten twelve dollars, you know, a dozen. But oftentimes they'll even like show you like a QR code where you can scan it and see the farm in which it was produced for them to be like sufficiently selling it for like that value more meat products too if they're going to be grown at a level that they're proud enough to announce they're going to tell you why it's worth the extra money got you so if you go to whole foods or you go to fresh market you go on to seven sons you're going to see the inexpensive products that they basically just listed as prime steak or whatever and then of course like the really high-end guys are going to say not only is organic it's free range it's hormone free so they're going to list the bullet points of reasons why you should value that product more and if you know you have the means to, to to spend that extra money on it, something you should consider investing in. And so, if the packaging says no added hormones, does that mean that they haven't used the problematic hormones that affect our testosterone? From what I it- understand of it, and again, I'm not by any stretch of imagination like an expert on food agriculture, but I would assume there has to be some truth in advertising element that 
if they're not adding a hormone, they can advertise that. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. The best we can do. <laughs> yeah. I think you're, you're, you're looking as far as you probably from a, from an uneducated person's standpoint knows how to look. Yeah. And so, um, like food coloring and all those other things that would, they put into food to make it look appetizing and delicious. Do those things affect our testosterone as well? Or is that more just a brain chemical issue? I mean, our whole endocrine system, which is like our internal system that operates every element of what we are, is going to be affected by foreign products. Mm -hmm. Pesticides, BPAs, which is going to be found in like a plastic bottle, um, you know, different additives. All these things are going to affect the way that your body works. Mm -hmm. Whether you have a skin condition problem, you get migraine headaches, you're having food allergies, a lot of these problems that we have nowadays, we didn't have go back a hundred years when food was different. Mm -hmm. These are new problems, ADHD problems, obesity problems, low testosterone problems. There's gotta be something in the food, in the water, right? Like the saying is, we have to be consuming it. Mm -hmm. and, and where does it come from? So mass farming, mass agricultural, and obviously like packaging, metal cans, plastic bottles, all this stuff has stuff in it that's gonna affect you. Got you. So um, you touched on PEDs. Yeah. So obviously in plastic, how is like one, what is, what are PEDs? How do we end up consuming them? Cause I mean, I see a plastic bottle. You mean BPAs? BPAs. PEDs yes. are performance enhancing drug. <laughs> no, not, yeah, not performance. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I was like, fire doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, BPAs that's in plastic. Um, when I was younger, I was sort of like, all right, cool. I, I'd see things with BPA free. I'm like, I don't care. Um, but I was always told don't have a plastic bottle. Like once, once a plastic bottle was in your car and it heated up, throw it out. Never, never put really it in the microwave. Why. Yeah. Never really knew why. Um, yeah. I mean, I know obviously heat is going to like essentially open up um, some of the poorer quality plastic. Like if you put a really crappy plastic in your dishwasher, you see how it melts and it alters its state. And then of course it has a smell. Or if you put that same thing in like your microwave, obviously the same thing happens. Um, you would assume some of those chemicals that are kind of bound into the plastic get released in the product you're consuming. So water bottles inherently are going to be in areas that traditionally in storage aren't going to be kept cold. Mm. Mass amounts of your favorite water from Smart Water to Zephyr Hills or whatever, those fat, you think that those warehouses are air conditioned at a mm. level that are not getting hot or the trucks are shipped to you. So at some point in their production, and not to say I don't drink this stuff because we have to, mm -hmm. it's getting hot and the plastic is essentially going to leach that stuff into your water. Um, if you can avoid it, you should, you know, drink water from a filtered system. That's a high quality filter system, glass bottles, um, you know, try to avoid straight up tap water. I mean, I used to be the guy that was like, fine, just give me, you know, tap water at a restaurant. And I started looking into what was in that. And it's just, it's, it's poison. There's chlorine and chlorine. bleach is in there, you know, high levels of fluoride. All those things are basically toxins to our systems and not directly just about testosterone, but every aspect of your gut bio, um, you know, skin quality. I mean, all these different things are affected. With the, I guess they're putting all those things into the tap water so that we can, it's not completely gross when we get it. I mean, just like fluoride, for example, right? So, so we think fluoride is really great for our teeth and we're like, we, we, we add it to our toothpaste. It's actually a byproduct of like chemical, it's a chemical byproduct that's considered a poison in high levels. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. And yet we add it to our drinking water because this idea that it makes your teeth and bones stronger. But at what cost? You know, um, they put enough chlorine in the water to make the water actually clear. The water wouldn't be clear. I mean, look so, at a so healthy water should be slightly murky. Well, no, it wouldn't be murky <laughs> because it's not healthy. But but it, but still, water in order to keep it clear when it comes out your faucet, when it comes out your sink, is going to have a high level of enough chlorine in it to keep it looking that way. Mm. I don't think you'd want to go out to your back to your pool and put a cup in there and drink it. But yet, it comes freely flowing through our systems as if you can drink it and you can shower. Obviously, some of us have Brita's or you have these other type of systems in your refrigerator that you choose to like filter it. And a good portion of that stuff is filtered out, but still some passes through. And at what point, how much do you drink every day? If you're drinking a gallon of water daily, like we're supposed to be, that's a lot of chemicals, right? So mm -hmm. is that affecting our hormone levels over a prolonged period of time combined with the shit that's in our food? It has to. Yeah. Okay. So um, I heard recently you mentioned it, so I wanted to bring it up. Um, the effect of being overweight, being obese, uh, and how that affects our testosterone levels. I think and that's probably the number one most agreed upon theory of why our testosterone levels and or our sperm counts dropping is obesity. I really? think there's nobody's gonna argue with that we have a more obese society today than we did have you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 years it's ago. It's like 45% of Americans are obese. Yeah, right and now. I think that's, uh, that's probably that's probably under-calculated. Really? Um, because, I mean, if you look at the average child today, there's more childhood obesity than ever, and they don't really record them yet. So mm. this generation that's coming through, and especially with COVID having just happened and shutting down a lot of activities and people being now forced inside, the amount of obesity that we're going to see in the near future is going to be, I think, that much higher. Now, we do have some therapies recently that are kind of, hopefully be a saving grace drugs like semaglutide and some of these GLP one peptides that could, could potentially save our society, but, but that's to be seen. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, so, so obesity has kind of this like chicken and egg situation that, 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 that's, that happens from it. You get obese oftentimes from having a low hormone profile. So, so typically men who have lower testosterone levels put on body fat faster mm -hmm. and the more body fat you carry, the less testosterone you produce. So if you're fat to begin with, essentially meaning genetically, and you grew up before your you know, kind of puberty happens and you have bad eating behavior patterns and um, lifestyle choices are poor and, and you sit inside on gaming, you know, gaming all the time and going into the metaverse on your Oculus or whatever, then, then you have all this fat to begin with and now you go through puberty, you're not going to produce as much testosterone when testosterone starts to kick in. So now you start as a fat kid mm -hmm. and now you go through hormone kind of change and you still have low testosterone levels, so you get fatter as you get older. On the other side, if you started off life kind of on the thinner side, you go through puberty, you have adequate testosterone levels, but then you become lazy, injured, whatever the reason is, you start putting on fat, then that fat production is going to suppress your testosterone production, and therefore you're gonna get more fat because of it. And you see a lot of like, estrogen dominant traits in younger men nowadays, like mm -hmm. gynecomastia, which is the formation of breast tissue. Um, it's happening more young at younger stages nowadays because of how much like estrogen young kids have because of typically how obese they are. Mm. And so, so if, if someone was overweight, um, knowing that being um, overweight 
limits your about um, limits your ability to create testosterone. Should they start having like testosterone boosting therapy or TRT? Would that help them lose weight, or would you recommend not doing that and doing something different? It depends on the age and the circumstance. I mean, obviously, a younger male, I would definitely recommend make lifestyle choices first and foremost. Mm -hmm. I never think testosterone therapy should be your first attempt to fix your problem. Testosterone replacement therapy, meaning actually replacing what your body produces by an exogenous hormone, meaning taking a shot of testosterone, should be the last resort every time. Trying to get your natural levels high enough to support the ability to burn fat should be your goal. Now, you could do that through supplements, changing your diet like we just talked about, even some environmental changes like going outside and exercising as opposed to sitting inside on your PS5 or whatever you're using. Um, getting some sunlight to stimulate some vitamin D production, and then maybe trying some dietary supplements. If those things can start to correct your production of testosterone, you should start seeing a body fat decrease, and therefore your body should want to produce more testosterone, which should support a more leaner, you know, more leaner physique. Mm. Um, it just depends on the person. Some people genetically, I'm not saying that all men who are overweight have low testosterone because there are plenty of you know high testosterone obese people, um, but from a percentage standpoint, you tend to find a more overweight person has a lower testosterone level and, and therefore they're gonna have a harder time losing weight in the long run. Interesting, okay, cool. Um, and so smoking vapes, I think we, we spoke about, and you always mentioned that vaping is actually contributing to a bit of testosterone lack of production yeah so this is probably not like a really well studied thing but i've seen enough to like make me make me think this is true plus just like the Doesn't idea like i mean i mean look you look at like you know our grandfather's generation of smoking like a marble red you know they're real men on the back of you know going to war and back of horses and stuff like you'd think they're like manlier men right mm -hmm. and nowadays these kids smoking like purple flavored vapes and there's gotta be some correlation there because who knows what other shit is inside those things. First off, they're gonna be made with some kind of an oil, some seed oil in which they're you know, vaping and inhaling. It has all sorts of other toxins, flavors, artificial flavors. Um, I'm not saying that's like a testosterone killer, but it's definitely going to screw up your endocrine system to some degree. Yeah. Now what that's- Cigarettes signaling, have a lot of chemicals. Yeah, in. nowadays they do, but like tobacco itself, not saying that it didn't always have a lot of chemical carcinogens in it, um, but I gotta think that these vapes have other kind of crap in them that the studies mm -hmm. haven't been out long enough to hurt you. So it's more, it's, it's to do with I the I just feel like you just everything. don't look as cool. You just can't be as manly. I mean, there's gotta be a little so bit. It might not be hormonal, just more, you, you just don't feel as, yeah, you're not, you're not feeling as like manly. Like <laughs> no one's ever looked at a guy smoking a vape and like, damn, he's he looks good over there. You know? I don't know, I've seen some guys blow some cool smoke. Yeah, drinks. man, those guys have got too much time on their hands, but. <laughs> You know, the old James Dean and, you know, people back in the day, I mean, who were like this like iconic sex sing signal mm. symbols of like- It was a bit emotional though. Our, our parents, you know, aged, they all smoked. And like, you could look at the old school movies where people smoke, it's like, oh, they look cool. Not that I, I don't smoke, I don't condone it, but I just think you look cool or look more manly smoking a cigarette <laughs> than a purple vape, right? So- That's true. But I mean, like, I don't know. Either way, I think either one you shouldn't do. So try to- So it's, it's really just like the chemicals are really what's- messing up chemicals out. man it's, it's just we're not supposed to take that shit in period yeah. so if you can avoid chemical intake even even you know medications that you shouldn't be consuming you know mm. shouldn't taking drugs you know recreational or prescribed 
they're still going to affect your natural body's ability to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so you touched on something at the very beginning about like the sperm count going to zero. We're a animal species that's supposed to procreate. We're supposed to reproduce. Mm -hmm. Why are we getting to a point where we're not actually able to do that? There has to be something about all this man-made stuff that we've done to ourselves to essentially make us become extinct. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It definitely seems like, I mean, there's a lot more topic, a lot more discussion these days around ED, erectile dysfunction. Oh yeah. There's a lot more discussion. Maybe it's just that I'm getting to that age where it starts becoming a discussion I didn't hear when I was younger, but um, is ED associated with low testosterone levels or is that just, you know, we like watching porn a little bit more? It's with both. Mm -hmm. I think having erectile dysfunction is kind of a symptom that points the finger towards having low T. So there's a, what's called the Adam test, an Adam test. Um, they give you an apple. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's actually just like, a, it's a question and answer test that basically lets you know that you're high probability for like low testosterone. Ask questions about low sex drive, having erectile dysfunction, lack mm -hmm. of, um, you know, kind of focus or desire to accomplish jobs, aggression. It just asks the questions that you kind of would re relate to it. But a lot of the questions actually are dedicated to sex drive and ED issues. Um, and it points the finger to say, you should now have a blood test to see if testosterone levels are low. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, you know, when a guy calls our offices and says, I'm having sexual function problems or erectile dysfunction issues, I think I have low, e, you know, low T. It's just a reason to kind of raise their hand and say, let's check your blood work. Yeah. There are other reasons in which erectile dysfunction could happen and not because of low testosterone and or having an elevation in your testosterone won't always fix the problem. Mm-hmm because it's a vascular problem. It could be a plaque buildup problem. It could be a psych psychological problem in which they're not stimulated anymore through actual intercourse and they would be having a pornography problem. I mean, it goes very, very deep. And I think there's um, not just one simple answer that, that answers that question. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, I wanted to touch on sleep as well. So uh, recently, I mean, I know you, we hear a lot about sleep's important, blah, blah, blah. Um, I know I've been going to bed at like nine nine thirty lately, and definitely feel like a new human in itself. Um, but I didn't realize that poor sleep can impact our testosterone and our hormone regulation as well. For sure. So I mean, obviously, with today, there's a lot of problems with we stay up late. We've got blue lights. There's you know TV. I I hear a lot of people that fall asleep while watching television. Um, that it feels like people are just afraid to go asleep almost like they feel like they're missing out on life. Um, so with, with a lot of people when you're trying to help with them getting their testosterone improved, how much of a focus do you guys put on sleep and trying to get them in order with that? You know, a good, a good, a good clinic, a good, a good physician, a good person who's like in the role we are, which we're kind of like a, a consultant to the office itself who interviews the client needs to ask those lifestyle questions sleep should be number one of the number one questions we ask to people do you get a regular amount of sleep and if the answer is no and they're jumping right to the point of let's get on t testosterone i feel like you're doing a disservice and you need to help that person understand help that guy understand like man try to get a better night's sleep and let's see if some of these problems in which you're trying to resolve don't don't naturally start working themselves out um yeah i mean why you sleep is when your body repairs everything that you do through the day quality wise going to the gym exercising, eating right, all those things actually happen when you sleep. 
Muscles built when you rest. Fat is burned when you're asleep. Growth hormone levels spike at night while you're at rest. So that circadian rhythm of going to sleep at night and waking up during the day and having that like natural rhythm of like sunlight to, to nighttime is super important in keeping our body in check with like how our hormones should actually go through the day. Um, if you think about our ancestors, like, you know, we're supposed to have that kind of wake up and get the day going early in the morning and go hunting and gathering and, and be like kind of aware during the day. So your testosterone level should be spiking when you're active and then should be kind of declined and, 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 you know, more not as high, if you will, in the evening when you're supposed to be relaxing and resting. So if all of a sudden you offset that pattern over a long period of time, your body doesn't know how to respond. And I think like blue lights and TVs and, and phones, I mean, listen, I'm just as much probably guilty of it as the next guy is where I'm on my phone too damn much. I, I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is look at it because I got things to do or emails to get to. Um, but I try to make it a pattern. Me personally, I go to the gym early in the morning. I like to see the sunrise. I think, I think that first morning light, that first one hour when like UV light isn't as um, detrimental, it's actually really... There's like UVVA and UVVB light, and I don't know the difference, but um, I do know the one in the morning for the first hour is like the good positive one that you're supposed to actually take in your eyes and uh, has a lot of good healthy characteristics of, of stimulating the kind of day to get going. So there's gotta be some aspect of keeping that natural rhythm going. And I know young kids um, that completely are on the wrong clock. Mm. They sleep all day they wear these damn Oculus things, these metaverse life, and they're depressed at 17, 18 years old. And you look at them and I'm like, I remember what I look like at 18 or what I wanted to look like at 18. And I look at these kids and I'm like, you look like a damn vampire. You have no mm. sun, you have no muscle tone, you have no male masculine characteristics and nor do you want them because your character in the, in the metaverse is what you, mm. what you give a shit about. And you just look like a disaster and like, yeah that's got to in time start to play against them. And then what do you do when, when you don't sleep, you eat shitty, you overconsume caffeine, they're probably vaping. So this cascade of this cascade <laughs> of bad things happens. They eat processed foods, they become vegan because it's like the next cool thing to do. So they overconsume, you know, highly processed foods or, or, or vegetables that are like massively, um, you know, just engulfed in pesticides. So, this problem be kind of becomes like I said, a cascading effect of one after another that ultimately relates in this, this essentially pandemic we're looking at now. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, cause I, cause I recently just got on the blue blocks. I've got the computer ones for the day. I've got the red ones that look like Bono at night. And the yellow ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, red, the, they got yellow ones as well. So yeah. It's good for like the morning time. So like you kind of have like a better light, or the yeah. uh, twilight hours, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So I put the red light, the, the the red glasses I put on at night. Like as soon as the sun's down, those are on. I even wear them driving now. And you feel I, better? I actually feel. I at first I was like, let's just see if this is dangerous. Right. <laughs> as long as you're not like, if you're in an area where there's no, um, if they, if you're like looking to your left, your blind spot, you can't see shit because there's no light. So I like you got to pull it down. But if there's any light and like everywhere we go is super lit up, you know, there's, there's traffic lights, there's headlights. There's I see, I'm not trying the red ones, so I don't know about the red, but the red ones at night, 
I literally got Josiah to um, where I'm when I was driving him from the airport. And it's funny because I've noticed that I'm calmer when I'm driving with them on. I'm more alert and I don't get as tired because when you, we don't realize that when we're driving, I'm squinting my eyes a lot and that squinting is making me feel very, very tired. And when I put the blue light, the blue blocking glasses on, it makes everything look like a flame, you know, just like it look, every headlight looks like a flame. And so, yeah, so my body's calm and yeah. I'm like, I'm alert. Yeah, I can see that. So I've, I've definitely noticed that when I put them on, especially when it starts getting 9 p.m., my body starts like I'm not head tired, I'm body tired. But I'm still very. But your eyes, your eyes don't feel that exhaustion too. Yeah, there's I think no that's something I always notice. Like my eyes feel exhausted, therefore I feel like I'm tired. Yes. You know, yeah. like after a long day of even not on a computer, but maybe doing traditional work in an office as fluorescent lights, the first thing that feels exhausted to me isn't like my feet. It isn't my mind. It's not my body. It's like my eyes just start to feel dried out, and I'm, I'm like, I just want to shut my eyes. Yeah. Which then leads to you want to take a nap or you want it to fall asleep, but. I think the first exhaustion sign is in the eyes. Yeah. And that and that comes from the squinting and the blue light. I mean, are we supposed to be staring at these phones, at these computer screens, like the the amount of hours that most of us who are, you know, we're speaking to an audience of primarily men are, who are trying to be entrepreneurial or mm. trying to be like more established in their careers. So we tend to work way more than we should. I don't think it's like, it's, po it's a positive effect long-term to have that much exposure. So my office, I have in, in, a, in a room in my house that's very well lit by natural sunlight. So yes, I look at a computer screen, but I have a lot of that exposure of regular sunlight still affecting mm -hmm. me. So I don't like block out the natural sunlight in order to look at my computer screen. And then when the evening time comes around, I put on the blue blockers because that's the only light and I noticed it's a big, big difference in my exhaustion. Yeah, and so when you're having a blue blocking, sorry, if you, if you are watching your screen, the hours before you go to sleep, what are the effects um, not only to our sleep, but also then our hormone levels if we are watching screens within two hours of us going to sleep? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know a direct answer to that question. I just know how it directly affects the quality of your sleep. And I know how sleep is the, is, is the primary like driving factor to a healthy hormone cycle, not just testosterone, but growth hormone and thyroid production hormone and cortisol levels. And those all work very synergistically with, the, with each other. So whatever you're doing, if it's making your sleep not good, you have to fix that problem. Mm. Um, it's so important. I mean, when you're younger and you're in your teens, you can sleep forever. And when you get into your 40s, you start noticing you wake up at four in the morning and you're like frustrated. You have to go back to bed because you just want to get up. At least mm. I do. Um, and I have to like force myself to at least get that six to eight hours of sleep. I actually started doing something recently, and, and for most men, you'll probably want to try this if you haven't. Um, I snore, you know, and I used to snore. And my wife would be like, you know, I don't obviously drives her crazy. So, so I started. I bought the nasal strips, you know, to kind of keep my nose open at night. And then I bought this stuff called hostage tape, which actually tapes your mm. your your lips shut. You look like a maniac going to sleep. <laughs> I have the thing on my nose and my lips glued, so I can't speak or do anything. But the purpose is, is it forces you to become a nose breather. 
So if you think about meditation and relaxation, if you've ever been to a yoga or, or a Pilates class or any meditation class at that, they teach you to breathe through your nose mm. because that's like a relaxing state. Because when you breathe through your mouth, it's like a fight or flight mechanism. So if you take a, a breath of air deep, it actually stimulates a little bit of this fight or flight mechanism, which is not a relaxing state. So when you breathe through your nose, you calmly actually kind of get into a better sleep pattern and it prevents you from having sleep apnea, which therefore keeps you in a better quality of sleep. So I've been doing it. It's it's a little tough to get used to, but damn, you get such a better quality of sleep. So without jumping straight to the CPAP or some kind of other device, if you haven't tried it and you're thinking about trying something different, get yourself some Breathe Right strips and tape your mouth shut and go Hostage to bed. Hostage tape. Yeah, <laughs> hostage tape is the brand, but yeah, anything that keeps your mouth shut, yeah. Um, so with exercise, um, in order for if, to use exercise to help increase our testosterone, mm -hmm. is there a like is it heavy weights? Is there types of heavy weights, slow exercises that help boost our testosterone levels, or is it like is it cardio? What do we use to benefit our testosterone levels? The first thing I think number one exercise is really important. Period. I think doing it in a moderation that is the correct amount is equally as important. There are a lot of people who overtrain. Overtraining is not good because you're depleting your system of its ability to actually like repair. So, um, you know, five to six times a week, I think is more than enough than for most men. I've trained pretty much my entire adult life as far as working out in a gym or doing some sort of athleticism. Um, so I can tolerate maybe a five or six plus I take some other stuff to help my body repair, whether it be testosterone or peptides and a lot of dietary supplements. But if you overexhaust your system, you will essentially drain your battery too far and you will deplete your testosterone production to a point where it can't like rehabilitate your system. Um, strength training to a point of like exhaustion stimulates your body to want to produce more testosterone to compensate, meaning, you know, heavyweight things like deep squats, bench press, you know, these types of types of movements, which are really like strenuous movements in which it challenges your system. Um, yes, those are going to create a higher testosterone production. I've read like extensive cardio beyond, you know, 20 to 30 minutes where you're kind of getting into more like um, endurance style training actually can decrease your testosterone levels. I don't know where that threshold is. So I probably don't want to like tell somebody who loves to that kind of training to stop. It's probably something to look, look into yourself a little further. Gotcha. So, so to, to boost that testosterone, it's best to work in like the upper orange level, they call it. Like you're not exhausted. But yeah, it's, exactly. You're in like that flow state in a way. Yeah, if you, if you, if you're more of like a weight trainer who likes to go to the gym for like muscle growth benefit, obviously that whole 40 minutes of training, you know, not taking extensive breaks, but six to eight repetition at kind of like a not max where you can't lift the last rep but still like at that point where you're almost going to failure that tends to be the most muscle stimulating and testosterone stimulating workouts mm -hmm. um but then if you like crossfit which is more you know consistent exhaustion i'm sure those guys have really great testosterone levels so i only really realistically understand the, the style of training i do um but again i know there's like definitely a detriment to your hormone profile if you overtrain Gotcha. Okay. And, um, so for someone who, uh, I mean, we, we want to go into as well, ways in which people can bring up their testosterone levels naturally first. <clears throat> so, um, based on what you've said earlier, we're looking at just a quick reminder, guys, if you haven't done the Adam test, it's bit.ly forward slash free Adam test It's free. It's 60 seconds, much longer than my sex life. And also 
It's uh, 88% accuracy rating to find out if you have low testosterone and what you can do after that. So bit.ly forward slash free atom test. Let's get back to the show. You want to decrease body fat will help increase uh, your help increase your testosterone, but you also want to make sure that you're doing weights as well. So you kind of like, it sounds like you yeah, do a little, a bit resi- of little resistance training. I think everybody should incorporate. I mean, it's good for your bone density. Mm-hmm. It's good for stress management, obviously aesthetic improvement. It's going to make you look a little bit more buff, and, you know, muscular, which I feel like most men should have some muscle tone. It doesn't mean you have to have, you know, this bodybuilder physique. You may want that leaner, more, you know, kind of tight look, but period. I mean, you have to challenge your body to like stimulate some muscle production synthesis. Um, a little cardio to keep your cardiovascular system and endurance levels higher, body fat levels lower. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like you, you got to be physically active. Yeah. And you'll be, that's, that's cool. And, um, so for people who, I mean, they've got everything working well, uh, you know, they've got, they've, they've got low body fat, they've got, um, they lift weights, but they are still lying a little bit low on the testosterone. There's a bit of a, I guess when, when most people hear testosterone or testosterone replacement therapy, they think steroids. What's the difference between TRT and steroids if there is one? Well, I mean, the, 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 the medication itself, testosterone is a steroid. So, you know, for anybody to sit here and think that if you take TRT, you're not using a product that is in the same category as what people use as steroids, you're fooling yourself because that's what it is. Now, done at the appropriate dose and for the appropriate reason, then obviously that's the difference between doing it for therapeutic purposes versus abuse purposes. Bodybuilders who take excessive amounts of testosterone typically combine them with another format of a steroid, and like an anabolic steroid. Um, and these are going to be different types of drugs like Anavar or Deca or Winstrol. You know, these are not testosterones. Now, testosterone that we prescribe is like testosterone cypionate or enanthate, um, which those two words, by the way, are like the ester that binds to the testosterone molecule, which just differentiates the, the half-life of the drug. But those drugs um, that are solely designed to increase lean muscle mass or muscle production, which is like what the anabolic side is, those are for your bodybuilder side. A TRT or testosterone replacement therapy is for guys who essentially don't have the ability to produce an adequate amount of testosterone for the purpose in which they want testosterone. And that can be from energy, libido, lack of muscle mass, or simple vitality. Okay, and so for, I mean, I've heard Rogan speak about TRT a lot. Um, And for, at what point in someone's life, I guess towards the end, uh, when someone's getting older, like they don't want to have kids anymore. Um, when do you typically look at, a, a bit of, when do you think there's going to be a bit more of a conversation where it's like, hey, I think TRT will help you with um, just living a better life. life. <laughs> yeah, living a better life. You know, I think if you're under the age of 30, you should really find another means of doing this unless you are absolutely at a point where you've tried everything else and there's been no other solution. So, so, so first, first and foremost, I think the age break is 30. Um, does it mean that under the age of 30, you can't realistically be on TRT? No, you can. But again, like, I don't think that should be your first resort. If you're over the age of 50, I think at that point in your life, you're starting to have symptoms that 
kind of lean you towards the want to do this, it becomes an easier decision. And I think anywhere in the middle, you know, you, you should kind of make a cognitive decision between maybe a testosterone boosting program, which is whether the use of supplements or medications that can help your body produce more of its own testosterone. Mm. Um, and, and ultimately you have to realize when you're, when you're young, you know, in, the, in your 20s, for example, by going on testosterone replacement, you're, you're committing yourself to this for the rest of your life. Mm. Going on testosterone, you're essentially telling your body that you don't need to make your own testosterone and that this form of testosterone is going to take the place of what your body was doing prior and that testicular atrophy will begin, meaning your testes will shrink and become kind of obsolete, if you will. And you'll just be taking the shot of testosterone or a gel of testosterone or a pellet of testosterone, whatever form you use to, to do the job of the testicles. Hmm. And that can also lead to infertility. So if you're 25 years old, are you prepared to make that decision for what you're gonna do for the rest of your life? Mm. Not to say there are guys who won't make that decision, but if you're doing it just because you wanna look more jacked at the gym or you wanna mm. look better for spring break, probably not the best choice. Yeah, it's the trickiest, it's tricky, especially people in their early 20s, like everyone when they're in their early 20s, they're like, ah, like I don't want kids. Yeah, yeah that was me. Everyone says that, like right. I said that in my early 20s and then I got to like, 29 and i was like i think i want a kid yeah yeah uh, so it's i mean obviously the advice you're giving is if you plan on having kids don't take it just yet yeah i mean it's not a guarantee like i also don't want the, the listeners to assume if i go into testosterone replacement i'm not fertile and all of a sudden mm. i can do what i want you know and with no repercussion <laughs> there might but be you, but yeah they're, they're definitely and we all know a guy who's on testosterone or a bodybuilder who's got their wives pregnant and have plenty of kids or girlfriend's pregnant or whatever but but in the end you are upping the probability of infertility by essentially lowering your natural testosterone production mm -hmm. so if you've made this decision in your early 20s that i'm going to go on testosterone and fuck it i'm ready to just kind of commit and then later on in life in your 30s you're like shit i made a mistake is it a possibility to sell children sure it still is but you have a lower probability at that point because you've made that choice earlier to like essentially start that um, kind of process of becoming closer and closer to having a less fertile uh, you know, probability. Gotcha. And so what's the difference between TBT and TRT? So TBT is like testosterone boosting therapy. TRT is testosterone replacement therapy. Boosting therapy means using a supplement, a therapy, even something as simple as working out, or a medication um, program to kind of boost your natural production. So at our clinics, you know, again, if you're in your 20s, the first thing we would do is like look at your lifestyle and hopefully point you in a place that would say, don't be a client of mine. You don't need us. Like put down the shitty food, get out of the house a little bit, get some sun, try working out a little bit, like try to correct these things we've been talking about and then come back in a few months and see if you still need my help. If you still feel like you're having inadequate testosterone production, at that point, let's do a blood profile and see on paper where you stand. The thing about blood work is, and this is kind of something that most people don't and will not talk about, is that blood work changes all the time. If I checked your testosterone levels today and I check them next week and next month and whether you had a shitty night's sleep or a bad, you know, kind of stressful event or you went on vacation, your levels are going to change because like what led up to those things change. So if you got a 23 year old kid who's like, oh, I did a blood work and my testosterone was a 400 and I think it's low, you know, I wanna go on testosterone. 
you got to have a lot of symptoms that are saying that you need testosterone. It goes back to that Adam test question or just the interview that we would kind of provide to you, which is like, do you have low sex drive, ED problems, inability to put on muscle mass, high body fat percentage, kind of depression, so on and so forth. And if you're still like answering yes to all those questions and then we do your blood work and it kind of shows you have a low testosterone therapy or testosterone level, then potentially the prescription of some medications like HCG, gonadarelin, and clomiphene, these are pharmaceuticals that are designed to help enhance the volume of testosterone your body produces. Mm -hmm. so, so the way that our bodies work is you have this kind of um, messenger signal from your brain to your testes. It's called the luteinizing hormone. So think about your pituitary gland as kind of controlling how much testosterone your body should have in it. And there's kind of like a signal that comes from the pituitary that says to the testicles, hey guys, make more testosterone. Let's say you're about to get in a fight, you're about to have sex, you're about to go to the gym. That brain should say to the testicles, make more. Mm. When the volume of that signal starts to decline, the output of the testosterone from the testes also declines. These medications mimic that signal and turn the volume of the signal up mm. and say to the testicles in kind of a louder voice, make more, right? So now the testicles are like, oh shit, we're about to have sex or we're about to get in a fight. We need to start making more. And they should kind of like think about like the, you know, steamboat, you know, um, mm -hmm. the steamboat analogy where they're shoveling more coal into the engine <laughs> and starts to pump out more, right? So that's essentially what's happening through the use of these TBT therapy kind of concepts is that there's more kind of coal or more signals being, you know, thrown at the testes saying, make more, make more, make more. Sometimes the testicles, although they're being told to make more, are like, I can't, this is as good as I can get. So there's a difference between what's called hypogonadism um, one or two. And, and, and the difference is, is, can, is the signal from the testes not, or from the brain of the testes too quiet, or is the testes ability to respond like not adequate? Mm -hmm. And so if your testicles cannot produce more testosterone, boosting therapy is not an option because the factory that actually makes the testosterone is at fault. And that's where using testosterone is kind of a must. Mm. But if like the signal is low, you could essentially turn the volume up and crank out a higher output and not sacrifice you know, fertility problems and not create dependency. And even to a point that you can retrain the testes to wanna to produce more on their own without the assistance of the medication after a period of time that they're used. Mm -hmm. So there are guys who will use steroids or pro-hormones or something else that would have kind of shut down their production and they'll use like what's considered a post-cycle therapy or a TBT program that can get the testicles to turn the switch back on hmm. and then we can pull the medication off and kind of see that it's almost still going. It's almost mm -hmm. like jump-starting a battery of your car. Battery's dead out there, we jump it, you drive around the block, guess what? You don't need a jump again. It's kind of recharged itself. Mm. So you can actually utilize a TBT program to get you kind of non-dependent on the, the boosting program drug or supplement at that um, and kind of live life you know, for a period of time without us. Or you can use it and continue on it and continue to get the benefits of it. Like I've seen guys 30 something years old, not wanting to go on testosterone yet, goes on an Enclomid program his total testosterone level goes from like mid 300s, low 400s to in the eight, 900 range, which is like a huge jump. 
mm. feels significantly different and yet still has complete testosterone um, production from the testes, has, has obviously good sperm, size, sperm production, um, and, and they're, not, they're not shutting themselves off. Hmm. So that's always a good option to evaluate before the commitment of going on testosterone. Because once you start taking the shots of testosterone, you're essentially furthering the shutdown even, even more so. Gotcha. So okay. you create this dependency when you start using testosterone. Okay, so yeah, so really try and, if possible, limit TRT until later in life. Until it's needed. And that's why yeah. I said, like, the 50-year-old guy, you know, worst case scenario for him, he's probably not wanting to have kids anymore. Probably doesn't think about the idea that, like, I want to preserve this product for down the road to use. You're now at that point, like, screw it. I want to feel my best. I want to live my best life now. Let's jump on it. I mean, I'm 44. I've been on testosterone for a long period of time. When I got on testosterone, and I actually got onto it because I did some dumb stuff when I was in college, and <laughs> I kind of went through college during the Mark McGuire era, and every pro hormone was on the shelf, and you could buy steroids, you know, as easy as you wanted to get them. Um, I kind of created this monster that I needed to have yeah. to use testosterone. But in hindsight, if I knew testosterone boosting was an option, I would have done it earlier in my twenties, and not because of fertility purposes, but. I would have used it only because I, you know, wanted to maybe not have a dependency on on a thing the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, so I think we've covered everything. We've covered everything. We've covered a lot. Now I know I'm gonna have testosterone when I'm older. <laughs> you know, listen, my th my thought of this is testosterone is a wonderful, amazing thing for men. It's what makes men men. Mm. Um, we are declining in our testosterone levels a lot as a species. If you look at the average level of testosterone 50 years ago, it was significantly higher than where it is today, and we are headed in the wrong direction. Mm. But testosterone should also be used by those who need it and avoided when it can be avoided as far as you know exogenous format, and just find ways that maybe you can do something on your own to make it better. Yeah, We're gonna be here, and eventually our company hopefully will be the company you choose if in fact you do need us but wait until you actually need us before choosing us as a first line of like defense to fix the mm -hmm. problem. Oftentimes a diet exercise program and a lifestyle change can make a hell of a difference. And you should try that first. Yeah. And then when it doesn't, Hey, we're here to help. <laughs> there you have it guys. So um, make sure you subscribe as well. Cause we're going to have more things coming into the man lab, finding out about how to make men great again. Until then, You'll see Alex as well, probably every episode almost. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All guys. right, thanks, guys.